You can find this morning's reading on page 199, 199 in the Green Bibles. It's Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 to 10. And it's a passage where Moses is speaking to all the Israelites. Page 199, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 to 10. When all these blessings and curses I have set before you come on you, and you take them to heart, wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations... And when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul, according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you, even if you have been banished to the most distant land under the heavens. From there, the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. He will bring you to the land that belonged to your ancestors, and you will take possession of it. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants, so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. The Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies who hate and persecute you. You will again obey the Lord and follow all his commands I am giving you today. Then the Lord your God will make you most prosperous in all the work of your hands and in all the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your land. The Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous, just as he delighted in your ancestors. If you obey the Lord your God and keep his commands and decrees that are written in this book of the law and turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Wonderful. Trevor, thank you for uh, reading from Deuteronomy 30. I'd love for you to keep that open, page 199. Um, a short word of prayer as we conclude this little mini-series on covenant. Father, we struggle sometimes to understand what you might be saying to us through Scripture, through your Word. It can seem so far away, so distant. And yet we know that this is a gift, your word to us. It lives by your spirit. It teaches, guides, it corrects. And we ask that you would do that this morning. Father, speak to our minds, to our hearts. Speak to our very core. In order that we might, as Moses says, we might live and live for you. So help us now in these next few moments for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. As um, Trevor rightly said, this is Moses speaking to the people of Israel. Uh, uh, This, if you like, is a a little collection of of talks, um, collection of sermons, if you like, towards the end of Moses' life. 
And uh, just as you or I would, if we knew we were approaching the end of our lives and we had people that we loved and with whom we lived around us, close family members and friends, we would say the things that really matter. And Moses here is, is talking of covenant and of covenant obligations and implications. And these are the things that really matter. That's why these are recorded here at the end of his life. It's as if he's saying, guys, this is, this is the heart of the matter. This is the most important stuff. And I want to suggest that we wrestle a little bit in our modern world and modern mindset, certainly in our Western modern mindset, with this concept of covenant, of two complete entities becoming one new entity. And all the blessings and curses, the, the good things and the bad things that flow from that. And the reason why we struggle, I want to suggest, is because we think contractually. And so we read these if clauses that we often come across in this kind of literature here, for example, in Deuteronomy, as, as conditions on how it will be for us. If we, are, if we are good, God will bless us. If we are not good, God won't. And we tend to think of our relationship with God, or our relationship with others, on those terms, contractual terms. I will enter into this relationship, and I will do what I promise to do, as long as you promise to do what you do. And if you don't, end of contract, end of relationship, I'll dictate the terms. But covenant, as I've uh, been trying to teach over these last few weeks, is radically different in that it exists and the relationship is formed and we, we enter into it in a sense unconditionally because God entered into it unconditionally with Abram as we saw a few weeks ago ultimately with Jesus Paul writes in the letter of the Romans while we were still sinners ignorant of God Christ died for us unconditional laying down of new covenant. These blessings, these curses, how are we to understand them? Because the problem for us as we read these verses, as we read much of scripture, is that we know how we ought to live. We know what we ought to do. There are a plethora of books on the, in the bookshelves and the stores that tell us how we ought to live, giving us moral and ethical obligations. We know all that. There isn't a person in this place today who doesn't know how we ought to live. But the age-old human problem is this. Though we know how we ought to live, we simply can't do it. We can't do it on a national scale, as Johnny's just highlighted in, in the press, on a community scale, on an individual, personal level. How can we live covenantally so that we receive all the goodness and the blessings of God as personal experience in our lives? How can we do that? And the answer I want to suggest is here in verse 6. 
The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart. It's a strange phrase. Let's just unpack that a little bit and clarify it. The heart, in biblical terms, isn't quite what the heart is in our culture today. We associate the heart, I think, with sort of emotions, primarily. It's the, the heart is the kind of thing that gets touched when we watch a chick flick, for example. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of Hollywood schmaltz if I can put it like that. But the heart in biblical language, in biblical understanding, is much more uh, widespread and more concrete and more rooted. The heart is basically the very seat of your desires, of your thinking, of your intellect. The heart houses your hopes and longings as well as your fears. The heart, if you like, in biblical terms, is, is the very core of the person. It's what you really think, you really hope for, you, you, what you really want. That is your heart, the real you. And circumcision, as we've seen, was uh, the outward sign of commitment to covenant, new relationship with God performed on uh, newborn males, an outward sign to indicate, if you like, like um, obedience, subservience to this covenant relationship. So when Moses talks of a circumcised heart, he's talking of more than simply an outward obligation to service. He's talking about a renewed desire from the inside out to follow God, to serve him, and to love him. A circumcised heart is living for God precisely because you want to, not because you feel you ought to. You may say it's, a, it's an odd phrase that Moses uses, a, a circumcised heart. But actually, it's different words, but this idea is all through scripture. The prophets, um, for example, Jeremiah, talked about um, God removing a heart of stone from his people in order to replace it with a heart of flesh, a soft heart. It's the same kind of thing that he's talking about, a circumcised heart, a heart that wants to follow God and, and does so, desires to, knows that it ought to and wants to. Or Ezekiel talked about, prophesied the Lord, prophesied about writing his law on the hearts of his people. Not just having them on external tablets of stone, but that they would live fueled, if you like, from the inside out. When John was talking, uh, sorry, in John's gospel, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, Nicodemus was uh, a member of the council. He was a, a, a teacher of the law. He was a good man. He was a good guy. He did everything right. And Jesus said, unless you are born of the spirit, if you're like born again, your heart is renewed. You won't see the kingdom of heaven. This is Nicodemus, the good guy. If Nicodemus needed that, we all need to enter into a renewed heart, a circumcised heart. Paul writes uh, to the church in Rome, 
picking up on these very words of uh, Moses. He's referring to this outward sign of the covenant. Circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you've become as though you had not been circumcised. If those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you, even though you have the written code and circumcision, because you are a lawbreaker. He goes on to say, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart, by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Circumcision of the heart, the inner desire to serve God, to follow him. And God does it. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts. It's not something that we can work up for ourselves. At the very heart of the covenant, the core of the covenant, God comes into our inner beings and so fixes and molds our heart that the very thing we know we ought to do becomes the thing that we most want to do. Circumcision of the heart. You see, circumcision itself is just a, a, a kind of external imposition. I think of the story of the parent with a slightly truculent toddler on the upper deck of a double-decker bus. They're in the front seat, and the toddler wants to stand up and hold onto the sort of rail and look out of the window. But the bus is going at a fair speed, and it's lurching about a bit, and swinging about. And so the parent says to the toddler, sit on the seat. And the toddler doesn't want to sit on the seat, wants to stand. And so a little discussion ensues, and it is completed with um, one or two threats if the toddler does not sit on the seat. And reluctantly, the child sits on the seat, and there's this rather stony silence. And then, through gritted teeth, the toddler says, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. (laughs) Knowing laughs from the parents, many others around us this morning. But we, we know that, don't we, in ourselves sometimes. Just doing something out of a sense of obligation without our heart really being part of it. John Newton wrote these words as a verse in a hymn of his. Our pleasure and our duty, though opposite before, since we have seen his beauty, are joined apart no more. Our pleasure and our duty Though opposite before, since we have seen his beauty, are joined apart no more. That is the work that God performs on a circumcised heart. Men and women become aware of who he is and eschew him for his beauty, for his grace, for his love, for his generosity. And they seek to serve him and follow him and worship him simply for who he is, not for what he does. We don't enter into covenant with God in order to get something. We enter into covenant with God receiving 
all that he's already done for us. And then we find the benefits flow. Briefly, how would you or I know that we have this new heart, this circumcised heart? What are the signs of it? Again, in verses 6 to 8, I think there are some clues. Firstly, verse 6, the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts, the hearts of your descendants, so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. How do we know if we have this new heart? Firstly, God increases our love for him. Our love for him, our estimation of him, our appreciation of him. It begins to bubble up in our hearts. I'm not talking here about increased quantity of religion. I'm, I'm, it doesn't mean that we go to church more often, that we do more Bible studies, that we read more Christian books. That's just an accumulation of external obligations. I'm talking about a spiritual awareness as distinct from religious observation. There are many people up and down this country right now who are sitting in churches who have not got circumcised hearts, who have not got renewed hearts that love the Lord, yet they come to church week after week after week. There may be some of us here who come to church, you wouldn't think of skipping a Sunday. You probably do one or two wonderful things uh, within the church community, and yet actually, in terms of a, a growing spiritual awareness, sensory awareness of the Lord and an appreciation of him, it's lacking. It isn't really there. Just look back uh, across the page, 198, Deuteronomy 29, verse 2. Moses summoned all the Israelites and said to them, Your eyes have seen all that the Lord did in Egypt to Pharaoh and all his officials and to all his land. With your own eyes you saw those great trials, those signs and great wonders. But to this day the Lord has not given you a mind that understands or eyes that see or ears that hear. So often an appreciation of God, spiritual awareness if you like, is described in scripture in sensory terms. Ears that hear, eyes that see. It's not that Israel were blind. They'd seen the history, they'd seen the story, but they hadn't really seen. It's not something that we can work up. We do more Bible studies or we go to more groups or whatever. God has to touch our hearts, circumcise our hearts. And we begin to recognize and appreciate a renewed love for him. We see his beauty and pleasure and duty are joined. We suddenly discover that the things we know we ought to do, we actually delight in doing. I've used this illustration before of uh, studying for German O-level, which I found quite hard. <laughs> All the cases and nouns and endings and trying to match them all up. I just, I just found it incredibly hard work. I was studying German because I had to pass an 
exam and then get past an exam to get on to the next A-levels and then on. It was out of obligation studying German, just to dry out. All the textbooks just seemed dull and boring. The lessons seemed boring. The language, forgive me if there's any Germans here. Good luck this evening, all that. But, um, oh. And then I met the sister of a German exchange student. She was um, drop-dead gorgeous, as they say. And it appeared that she was willing to make conversation. And I found my whole attitude to the German language there and then transformed. I couldn't get enough of the vocabulary, not quite the vocabulary that was in some of the textbooks. I wanted to talk about other things. But I suddenly, it transformed the way in which I wanted to learn, I wanted to grasp the language, I wanted to have the words to say in order to converse with someone who, momentarily at least, had captured my heart. It's the difference between religion and religiosity and spiritual awareness, this love for God. We, we often advertise the prayer meetings. I would hate you. I, I honestly mean this. I would hate you to come to a prayer meeting because you feel you've got to. Please don't come. Inspect your heart on a Tuesday afternoon. If you find anywhere in your heart, oh, I, I ought to go to the prayer meeting, Tim's given an announcement, I ought to go to the... Don't come. Don't come. It will ruin you. It will make you religious. Your heart will become like stone. I long for the day when actually our hearts are such that we say at whatever stage of the month, I can't wait for the first Tuesday. I'm going to meet with my brothers and sisters. We are going to meet with the Lord. We're going to worship a little bit. We're going to pray. We're going to intercede. We'll maybe see things happen and change there and then. I know that whatever happens, we will have made a difference. Because I love God. I love who he is. I love what he does. I love being in covenant with him. That's the sign of a renewed heart, a circumcised heart. A new love. Verse 6. Secondly, uh, briefly, how do we know we have this new heart? Well, look at verse 8 of chapter 30. You will again obey the Lord and follow all his commands I'm giving you today. The realities of a new heart, the realities of new covenant experienced by us is a fresh desire to obey God. To live out his life. Not in order to get something, that's contract. We, we, we have a fresh desire to love God and to follow him and to serve him and to obey his commands from his grace, not for his grace. It's from his love and provision. We'll just find that this new love and new life begins to flow out of us. The fruit of God's life in us, the fruit of the spirit, we'll find ourselves actually with a greater love for those Awkward members of the office, difficult colleagues at work, neighbors or whoever it might be, will find ourselves less irritable. We'll find there is a deeper joy. Others will notice it in us over the weeks, over the months, as his life percolates in and through ours. Thirdly, finally, how do we know we have this new heart? There's a, a love for God, there's a, a desire to obey his commands. And there's life. Look at the end of verse 6. So that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. Look at uh, just at the bottom of the page at the end of this sort of section. Verse 20. 
Uh, well, at the end, middle of verse 19. Now choose life, Moses says, so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice. Hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. The sign of a new heart is that we live. We grow. Just very briefly on this, there are, there are kind of two ways in which we can or growth can happen. Growth can happen in a, in a kind of mechanical sense. If, if I was just to build um, a pile of bricks, I could grow the pile of bricks just by adding a brick at a time, plonk, 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 and it just sort of grows mechanically. But it's a different kind of growth from if I take a bulb and put it in the ground, and it becomes a daffodil. That, that's, a, that's a much more complex, much more organic type of growth. That, that kind of happens, you know, without me mechanically placing bricks in a pile. If you like, it's the difference between building a house and making a home. It's the second of all those that is the life that Moses is talking about here. Again, not just an accumulation of knowledge, not just an accumulation of practices, going to church and meeting with whatever it is, it's much more diverse, much more complex, much more multidimensional than that. It's the life of God in us that causes us to grow so that we become just wiser. We become more joyful amid trial and difficulty. We become, with our knowledge, more discerning. This is the fruit of life in God. This is the fruit of a circumcised heart. People, one or two of you have said, you know, question me about circumcision itself. Odd, you know, why circumcision? Why, why can't God just sort of, you know, place a little tattoo or something on the, on, on the hand of it? Why is circumcision? It's, it's so bloody and it's so painful. It's so horrible. Precisely. And scripture says Jesus came for us. He became circumcision for us. It is a sign of being cut off, of being removed in a horrible or painful way. And Christ was cut off from us. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you cut me off? Why am I blooded here on this cross? He became the sign of, of, of exile the sign of separation, in order that, taking the curse of separation in his body, we might come into new covenant relationship with God. Let me ask you, does, does that strike you? Does it move you? If you're wondering today, do I have that new heart? Do I have the, the circumcised heart that God is, uh, Moses is talking about here? I want to suggest that the answer is this. If, if, what, if what you recognize God has done in Christ begins to move your heart, then it is almost certainly the sign of God circumcising your heart. It is the sign of a new heart developing in you. If you're moved by that, if you have a desire to love him, to obey him, to live for him, then it's the sign of God's new heart in you. Please be assured, 
we know from these little ones, growth doesn't happen overnight. It's gradual. Physical growth. And I think so too for spiritual growth too. There are jumps and starts occasionally. But if you're sitting here this morning and you're moved by what you know God has done in Christ for you, then rejoice in a new and a circumcised heart. Let's take a moment of quiet just before we come to our final hymn of praise and thanks. Let's look ahead the coming days and weeks. Look back over our life. I just want to give an opportunity for anyone who wants to respond personally now to this God of heart circumcision, this God who gives new life, new love, a fresh desire for obedience. Opportunity for you to respond in your heart, to acknowledge before God those ways where he's touched your heart. opportunity too for you to ask for more of his work in you Heavenly Father we thank you so much for covenant for two becoming one, for you drawing us into your life, that your life might live in us. We pray for more of you, for a greater love, for fresh obedience, for life. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, we'd love, there's a few of us who would love to pray with anyone who would like to receive prayer. We'll, we'll kind of keep the, the front of this church uh, building kind of quiet and free for um, prayer, for uh, that kind of stuff. Coffee and refreshments will be at the back at the end of our service. But if you'd like anyone to pray with you, I'll be here uh, just towards the end of the service, at the end of the service, and can hook you up with anyone pray with you myself uh, if you would like that so do make the most of that opportunity please as we come to sing our final hymn now it's an opportunity for us to give to the life of the church if you're a visitor here or a guest please don't feel obliged to give Um, but uh, uh, if you'd like to then do make the most of the envelopes on the end of the pews to make any financial gift more tax efficient let's stand as we sing our final song together
we remain standing as we give thanks to God for his generosity. Thanks, Wendy. As uh, betokened by these gifts and offerings, Father, we recognize your goodness to us. Please help us to use these offerings and others that are given in other ways so that others may come to know you. For Jesus' sake, amen. Please sit or kneel for our final prayer of blessing. May the peace of God, which goes beyond all human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be amongst us and remain with us always. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.